Matthew, the 13th chapter, beginning to read at the first verse. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat there, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground when, where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to him who has more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, You shall indeed hear, but never understand, and you shall indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should perceive with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn for me to heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, Many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Amen. The most powerful thing in the world is an idea in the mind of a believer who is trying to do the will of God. I'll say that again. The most powerful thing in the world is an idea in the mind of a believer who's trying to do the will of God. You think about that. And I think you'll have to agree with me that everything which we enjoy in the world, this nation, at our jobs, in our homes, in our schools, and even in our churches, every great, mighty, wonderful convenience, help, inspiration, and guide, every one of those things began with a simple idea in the mind of somebody. God has been using ideas 
in the minds of people since the beginning of time to get his will done here on earth. That's how he does it. When God wanted the people to get out of the earth of Chaldees and head towards the land of Canaan, he spoke to a man by the name of Abram and he put the idea in Abram's mind that he could do it. When God wanted the people to be released, released from the bondage of the pharaohs in Egypt, he appeared unto Moses and he gave to that leader an idea as to how he could lead the people to freedom. When God wanted a temple built to honor him, by his spirit he placed that idea into the heart of David and the heart of David's son Solomon. And the great temple of Jerusalem, which took years to build and cost the equivalent of millions of dollars, began with an idea in one person's heart. When God had his plan of salvation, he sent it into this world through the idea of one person, Jesus Christ. And though the world crucified Jesus, they couldn't kill his idea. And when God, after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, wanted to perpetuate that idea, he planted the idea in a group of people that he called the church and under the guidance of his Holy Spirit they took that idea clear to the uttermost parts of the world and we worship here today because of an idea. God since the beginning of time has used ideas in the minds of people to do his will here on earth. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, and believe that every idea, though, comes from God, even though God does use ideas. No, no. I had some ideas this past week in meetings and in private that I couldn't blame on God. No. No. I personally believe that an individual, in trying to play God, when he allows his selfishness and self-centeredness, when he allows his self-love, to control him, he sees or he sows a sinful seed, and that is what brings about a sinful act. But no matter what it is, whether it is God that sows the seed or an individual who sins and trying to play God's part, the process is always the same. The deed is always preceded by a decision to ask, acquiesce to a thought of contemplation of what it would be like that comes originally from an idea, from an idea. And though it may be a little different interpretation of this classic parable, I nevertheless feel that the Spirit of God has given me the idea that what Jesus is talking about here in the parable of the sowers, amongst other things, is that he is trying to tell us that just as a sower is dependent upon the seed, so the seed is dependent upon the soil to bring forth the harvest. So also, God, the sower of ideas, is dependent upon his ideas, so his ideas are dependent upon their receptivity 
perception by those who hear the word or ideas. You get it? Whether or not God's ideas work depends upon the way you and I accept the ideas which he sends. And Jesus says that the, there are four ways that any one of us can receive an idea from God. And remember, the most powerful thing in this world is an idea in the mind of a believer who is trying to do the will of God. Always, you and I, accept or reject God's ideas. First of all, we can be like the soil of the path. We can be so down, beaten, trod upon, so packed, so baked, so firm, so stiff, so definite, that the seeds that God sows in the form of ideas can't penetrate us at all. We can be like the soil that's on the path. And when the sower sows the seed, it cannot root, and the birds come and take those seeds away. Yes. I believe in absolutes. I believe that there are some things that are changeless. And one of the wonderful things that I see happening in the world today is that people are changing back to the idea that there are some changeless things in the world. Yet, nevertheless, believing that, I still believe that God, under the guidance of his Holy Spirit, is leading us into new ideas and new concepts and things that are yet to come. And I get this idea out of the Bible, God's holy word, especially as John tells us what Jesus said about the third person of the Trinity. Remember what he says? When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you guide you into all truth, and he will declare unto you those things that are yet to come. You see, I don't believe that God's on vacation, nor that he's taken an early retirement. I believe God still works seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and that God is still raining upon us ideas. Though we have seen tremendous things, depending upon how long each one of us has lived. Some of you have seen the development of, what, the automobile, maybe even some electricity, to the place where we put people on the moon. In spite of this, there are still things that God wants us to know. Not only about himself, but about the world and about ourselves. And he is bombarding us and will continue to bombard us with ideas. Ideas that he will send down to the minds of believers who are trying to do the will of God. And ladies and gentlemen, nobody can predict when or where or how these ideas will come under the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. And just let me give you a simple example. Probably the question that Mr. Bruder and myself receive the most from people is the one that people ask preachers the most. 
how do you find a sermon? How do you write a sermon? And contrary to what some of you believe, we do not pick them up at the post office on Friday and memorize them on Saturday and preach them. No. No. I can speak only for myself. The sermons that I preach, no matter what their value, begin with an idea. An idea that I have had for a good many years. An idea that says God has called me to be a preacher. And that God has equipped me with the tools to be a preacher. An idea that I have and which I utter several times every week in the form of a prayer in my study. Father, let me know what you want me to say to your people. I prayed that prayer for years and many times every week. Father, let me know what you want me to say to your people. And believing that idea, I take my Bible and I begin to look for the answer to that prayer. When I read my Bible, when I read any book, when I read the newspaper as I'm traveling down the highway, equipped with my notebook and with the memory that God has given me, I begin to record ideas. Probably at the present time, I have about 16 sermons that I'm working on. And this one, this one, the idea for this sermon came on July 6, 1975, at approximately 12.20 p.m. It was on a Sunday. It came while I was visiting in the home of my mother in the Shadyside District of Pittsburgh. I was on vacation that Sunday. And with my family, we attended a tremendous, triumphant, helpful worship service by means of the radio over station WEEP. My family was here visiting for the 4th of July weekend. That's how I can remember it so well. And they had to leave shortly after 12 noon. After we listened to the service and they said goodbye, I flipped on the console television set to help us in those very ignorant moments that we all have when loved ones are again forced to separate for a while. And I happened to turn on a program which had, of all things, a preacher preaching from Garden City, California, Dr. Robert Schur, and I'd never heard of before, a man whom I want to meet, and someday I hope to go out there and study at one of his institutes. He has the hour of power, maybe some of you know it, watching on television. That man can communicate. God has blessed him richly. And he preached a sermon, and I have copied the theme of that sermon, and it is the opening sentence of this sermon. The greatest power in the world is an idea in the mind of a believer who is trying to do the will of God. And for nine weeks, I have brooded over that particular idea. I've searched the scriptures. I've worked hard. And I've come here and with the idea of preaching about ideas and how God uses them, I really have the idea in mind that God is going to speak to you today through an idea. 
this very moment. Because whether you realize it or not, some people have found some of the greatest ideas they've ever found in their lives in church. It all depends how we receive the idea. We must not be like the path ground. Nor are we to be like stony ground. That's the second type of soil. You know, immediately the idea comes. <laughs> we catch it, Lord, and boy, we get excited and we, we work at it right away. And then pretty soon another idea comes and pretty soon the first idea is completely forgotten and we run out of gas. And to me, one of the biggest problems we have in this blessed society where we are receiving so many new ideas every day is this particular problem. We don't take times to think through the ideas one at a time. We don't think of all the ramifications. We don't take time to think it through. All we do is get excited and work up our fever to a high heat. We begin with a bang and end with a whimper. We're good starters and lousy finishers because we hop from one idea to the next. Stony ground is good, I'm sure, for some things, but it's not for sowing seeds. Neither is thorny ground. And that, I think, Jesus is trying to tell us, that this is the ground where the good seed is so very easily choked out by other seeds. All oh, the seed begins to grow, yes, we give it time. But the thing is, we always allow something else to become first over our idea. Oh, I'm looking into the faces of people who I know have received ideas from God. Maybe it's dealing something in your work or at home or right here in the church. And God has been pounding you and hounding you with that idea. But you keep putting it off. Keep putting it off. Oh, maybe someday. Maybe, maybe, maybe someday. When you do that, you see, you're on thorny ground. You don't give time. You don't think. You don't allow the seed to germinate fully because you always allow something else to push out that idea which God has sent to your mind for you to believe in in order for you to do His will. I look over this powerful congregation and I just wonder how many seeds are lying dormant in us who so often are like the thorny ground. And then there's the good ground. The ground that is open to new seed. The ground that thinks new ideas through carefully. The ground that is ready to move with an idea. The ground that works with the seed to start the action, to bring forth the harvest, to produce a hundred, some sixty, some thirty, full. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. 
and God is sending ideas to us right now. You know what happens, I believe, when, when he continues to send ideas to us and we don't do anything about them? Yes, I, I really think that he gives up on us. You people, you're farmers, you sow seed, and when you know you have good seed and the soil doesn't do anything, what do you do? You don't throw away the seed, you go look for new soil, don't you? And historically, that's exactly what God has done. When his people will not listen, when they have ears to hear and do not, when they have eyes to see and see not, God gives up on us. And he sends his ideas to fall upon other people. I believe with all of my heart that God has sent to some of you right now an idea. An idea which he wants you to believe in. An idea which he wants to use to bring about his will here on earth. For God's sake and your sake. Believe that idea. Believe it. I want you now to take today's bulletin. Please take it. And I want you to take a pencil. And I want you to write down on that bulletin an idea which God has brought to you this day, this hour, or maybe he's been working on you for some time. I don't know what it is. It might have to do with your family. It might have to do with your business. God may be calling you to some new ministry. Write it down. I don't know why writing it down makes a difference, but it does. Write down that idea. And I want you to take that bulletin home with you. And before this day is over, I want you to think. Think about that idea and allow that idea to be germinated within yourself. We're going to carry on next week and we're going to talk something about the general idea of the route of an idea to the promised land. But you think about that idea. And in closing, I want you, please, all of you, to repeat with me that key phrase, that idea which has come to me and which I hope will be contagious and go now through you. Please join with me. I'll say it one more time, and then I'll ask you please to repeat it with me. And those of you who are at home on the radio, wherever you are, in your automobile, living room, say it with me. Let me say it first, just to be sure you have it. The most powerful thing in the world is an idea in the mind of a believer who is trying to do the will of God. All together now. The most powerful thing in the world is an idea in the mind of a believer who is trying to do the will of God. He who has ears, let him hear. Amen. Father, you're sending the signals, you're sending the ideas. Help us to catch them and to run with them. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. For we are believers. Amen.